Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the My Mike and I podcast. I am your host, Noah Alvarez. A friendly reminder, this podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud.com. If you guys can, at your earliest convenience, please leave us a review, share us with your friends, follow us, subscribe, do anything you can to help spread the word of this podcast. It's just me doing the production, me setting up the interview, so I could really help. I could really use any help that I can to promote this podcast. Now, before we get this show on the road, do want to give a shout out to my boy, Generic Sports, for producing the instrumental that's currently playing in the background. You can check him and more of his music out at soundcloud.com slash generic sports also shout out to my boy vince correa for designing the new my mike and i logo a lot of people have complimented it he also has a new podcast out titled this thing of ours and what he does is break down the greatest mobsters of all time so he just released his first episode do me a favor go check out his show let him know what you think it's on soundcloud.com it's also on anchor that's again the title is called this thing of ours now, in case you missed the last few episodes of my mic, and I did have some pretty cool guests on the show, and I'm hoping to keep that trend going forward into the summer, have some different guests from different walks of life on the show. Now, most previously, I had Savannah Core. She was the Big Sky Conference Pitcher of the Year. She pitched for Sacramento State. We talk about her college journey. Also, the lack of professional softball routes a college softball player has. Then... On the show before that, we had Orange County hip-hop artist Wynn, and we talked about the difficulties and some of the adversities that he's faced in his career. We also talk about some of his discography and how he gets ready for shows, and it's a pretty good conversation, too. And then before that episode, we did have a show with Moran Johnson. She played professionally overseas last season in the country of Cyprus. And we have a whole bunch of episodes way before then, too. We have an episode about going vegan. We have an episode about going to raves. We have an episode, if you want to be inspired, as a motivational speaker comes on. So there's a whole bunch of episodes for you guys to check out from here at My Mike and I. I did want to give up a little bit of a life update because I haven't given one in a while. But at my work, and for those of you who know, don't know, some of the new listeners, I do work at an after school program. Uh, Monday through Friday at a middle school and a lot of the this week of June 14th is their last week of school in the Garden Grove School District and so a lot of the eighth graders that I've you know developed bonds with you know that were a part of my football team and that I just spent Monday through Fridays with um, on a weekly regular basis they're graduating they're going on to high school and I didn't realize I'd have such a soft spot Um, it's, it's been a pretty emotional week you know getting to see a lot of them for the last time but I know they're on to bigger and better things. I know a lot of them listen to this show. So, you know, shout out to you guys. Best of luck to you guys in high school and not only in high school, but in life after high school. Um, and, and just keep on doing you. Keep on being yourself. Keep on being creative and keep on working hard. It's the best advice I could give to you guys. Now, on to this week's show. Before we get into this week's show, I do want to change up the instrumental really quick. And the reason for this instrumental change is because the Toronto Raptors are your NBA champions in 2019. How crazy. What a world. The Toronto Raptors not only win their first NBA Finals ever in franchise history, Kawhi Leonard becomes the third player in NBA history 
to win two finals MVPs for two different teams. So much stuff happened in this series. It's, it's crazy to think about all that happened. I mean, RJ and I will dive into it in just a second. And, and uh, just to kind of preview the episode a little further, RJ Saunders, he was on a NBA Finals predictions just a few weeks ago. It comes full circle and we talk about our reactions to the Raptors winning in Game 6. It was a wild Game 6 too. 114 to 110 was the final score. You had Kyle Lowry giving you 26 points. Fred Van Fleet had 22 points. Klay Thompson tore his ACL. That's something to keep in mind too because during our recording, we, RJ and I literally recorded maybe like 10 minutes after the, 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 after the game ended. And then Maybe about an hour after RJ and I were done recording, we got the report from Woj that Clay Thompson tore his ACL. So we didn't even know how serious his knee injury was until hour after the podcast was over. So apologize if we don't talk about the severity enough of Clay Thompson's. We didn't know that. But so much happened in this series that it's it's hard to put into words. It has to be one of the most eventful series in the modern era of basketball because you look at Kevin Durant and he was going to be the most sought after free agent. If not him, it was Kawhi Leonard. He's on the Raptors. He just won a championship. Is he going to leave the Raptors now after winning a championship? Does he plan on staying? Then maybe the third most sought after free agent was Clay Thompson. He hurt his ACL and he's going to be out for quite some time. Does he return to the Warriors? I mean, it, it just was a wild series. You had Kyle Lowry proving to be big and in key moments, you had Fred Van Fleet after becoming a father in the playoffs. All of a sudden, goes on this tear. So shout out to his weak pullout game. I mean, there's so many, so many things happen in this series. It, it truly is crazy. And RJ and I do our best to kind of describe what happened, give our initial reactions. You know, talk about whether the Toronto Raptors need to be talked about as the next greatest dynasty. We talk about the what ifs if you know. If Clay and Kevin Durant were healthy, you know what? That's a huge what if. We also talk about where Kawhi might end up and how this affects his decision. And there's just so much to dive into. We do our best. Obviously, it was very late. He's on the East Coast, so it was even later for him. But um, it's a great show after a great NBA Finals. Definitely loved this matchup between the Toronto Raptors and the Golden State Warriors. Again, not going to keep you guys from it any further. Let's dive into the conversation. Hope you guys enjoy it. Talk about an exciting end to an NBA Finals series. RJ, what are your opinions and initial thoughts and reactions to the Toronto Raptors defeating the Golden State Warriors 114-110 in a nail-biter in Game 6? Ben, because since we're doing this right after the Finals, (laughs) I'm still trying to think this all in we were about a couple minutes away from a game seven. Oh, most definitely and toronto for whatever reason you want to put are now nba champions a team from canada wow so you gonna have to help me out man <laughs> so many different storylines in this game because you mentioned it's it's a team from canada the first team from Canada to win a professional sports championship since 1993. It's the Toronto Raptors' first NBA Finals, uh, first NBA Finals appearance ever, and they went end up winning the championship. And then you have all the even smaller storylines about you know KD's injury to Kawhi and whether he's going to leave or stay this off season. You have you know the 
the Kyle Lowry situation, and you have the whole Clay Thompson gets hurt in Game Six. You have the box and one being brought back for Steph Curry when when Clay goes down. I mean, there's so many storylines to dissect. But um, how do you think this game gets remembered by? Is is this the Fred Van Fleet game? It has to be. It has to be the Fred Van Fleet game. But in that first half, Kyle Lowry, what did he eat? He was eating good. That's this what he was guy eating. Was absolutely <laughs> on fire. And for the entire playoff run, and I think we had touched on it in the last pod that we did, mm-hmm. the biggest thing was going to come down to the others right? for Kawhi Leonard. You knew Kawhi was going to get his. But who was going to step up? And for the last couple games, you've seen Serge Ibaka. You've seen Fred Van Fleet, Kyle Lowry. And he was able to get a solid game out of his guys when he needed it the most. Because this was looking bleak. This was looking like, man, we're going into a game seven. Blew a 3-1 lead. I was ready for that headline the next morning. Mm -hmm. And Van Fleet, my goodness, man. Or this could be... Because I could see this in the headlines. If Clay doesn't get injured. Yeah. Uh, well, we've always made those excuses, haven't we, for a bunch of teams? Ryan, it's a huge part of that game six result because you felt like it was such a back and forth game, RJ. I mean, like you said, we were just doing this minutes after the Raptors won the finals. But it was such a back-and-forth game. You you got to think having Clay knock down a couple shots in those final, what, quarter and a half because he got knocked out with a, a little yeah. bit of time left in the third quarter. You got to think he at least scores, you know, seven to nine points, at least the bare minimum. And that could swing the, in the Warriors' favor. And the defensive aspect, too. You had, yeah, I'd ask guys like Quinn Cook and Brian McKinney, excuse me, Alonzo McKinney, to play some key minutes, especially defensively. And... That they, they heard from that. This has to be the craziest thing. And shout out to the Golden State Warriors because they aren't just the Warriors in name, but these guys were actual Warriors. Mm-hmm. This team was banged up. Injuries upon injuries upon injuries. And you still had guys out here Saying I want to play. Mm-hmm. Clay Thompson, Kevon Looney, Steph, KD, although it was sad how that ended. Mm-hmm. Toronto couldn't kill the sleeping giant. Mm-hmm. How do you only win this by four, given the circumstances? I give it to Toronto, and I know that there's going to be a whole lot of storylines for this game. But you also got to look at Toronto, too, and just say two things. Number one, how do you only win by four? And then number two, shout out to Masai Ujiri. Yeah. He took a chance. And everybody was saying, I don't know. This guy, he was complaining to probably one of the what, 
five best organizations in the NBA ever. Right, and one of the, what, top three head coaches in, in NBA history? Ever. Right. And you trade for Kawhi saying, it's going to work. Mm-hmm. We've tried this with DeRozan and Lowry for, what, the last five years? Mm-hmm. And we haven't gotten anywhere. With LeBron gone, this now opened things up for us. But we can't go about this the same way we've done it. Mm-hmm. There hasn't been an end result where this has worked. And Kawhi comes in and he pulls through for you guys. The first MVP, then who would that be? Kareem to win finals MVP for two different teams? Yep. Absolutely amazing for the Toronto Raptors, but definitely shout out to Golden State. Yeah, you mentioned it. They they were battling the whole way through. I mean, it was a four-point margin. But really with that technical foul and then Kawhi hitting those two free throws, you know, extended it. It really was a one-point victory for the Toronto Raptors. And even so, the Warriors had a clean look at a three-pointer, a wide-open Curry three-pointer. You could have asked for nothing better. Were you upset that oh he took gosh. the three-pointer instead of going for two? I think they were probably trying to go for the best shot available, and they trust Steph in those situations. But Toronto had been playing that off-screen for Curry the same way for at least, what, game four, five, and six? Mm-hmm. So it was always going to be double off of that screen. They knew who the ball was going to. I don't think they trusted... DeMarcus Cousins in that spot. You could have gotten away with Iggy, maybe. But you said, hey, let's do let's do this with Curry. And, oh my gosh, as I think about it now, <laughs> this is the second time Stephen Curry, game on the line in the NBA Finals, has missed the three to change the whole entire landscape. Mm-hmm. 2016 against Cleveland, and then this one right here. And I know he has to be kicking himself in the foot for that. He's going to be thinking about this for at least the next three months. In the words of Chris Brown, (laughs) he's going to cry in the car. (laughs) (laughs) But you really couldn't have asked for a better look. I mean, this you're giving Curry one of the greatest three-point shooters of all time a wide-open look at the basket with more than eight seconds left to go on the, the game clock. And I think the greatest part of, you know, a very exciting moment, because I think this that, that sequence, that whole sequence in the final couple seconds will be one of the most exciting sequences in, in any sports history that I've experienced in my life. Just because after that miss, it looked like Boogie had a really good chance to rebound the ball, and I believe it was Siakam who kind of tipped it away. And he wasn't able to get to it. And then it was just, it turned into basically a complete, like, who wanted it more, a scramble for the ball. And the ball was kicked around, tipped out a few times where until it was at half court. And Draymond Green dove on the ball. And, you know, unknowing that he didn't, I'm sure he knew he had a timeout, but, or he didn't know that he he didn't have any timeouts left. But he called a timeout, which, of course, gives a technical 
uh, free throw and possession for the other team. But that whole sequence was just so nerve-wracking. I remember standing up after Curry shot it, and I was just bouncing up and down. I'm not a fan of either of these teams, but just bouncing right. up and down and yelling as loud as I could because you thought you were hoping one of the Warriors players could pick up the ball and they could maybe get another shot off, or one of the the Raptors players were going to grab it and make a break, and the Warriors are going to have to foul. You thought something was going to happen, but neither team could get possession in those final seconds. But how about the play before? Danny Green, what are you doing? <laughs> Boneheaded decision. Oh, my goodness. Danny Green could have cost the finals for Toronto. What were you thinking? But you could also have said the same thing about the Marcus Cousins in Game 5. Mm-hmm. I mean, that offensive foul call with the moving screen, then he also had the basket interference, you know, so basically, as Bill Simmons called him, Mr. Double Agent. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then the same thing with Danny Green. I mean, how do you... He's supposed to be one of the smarter players. Right. With the Toronto Raptors. And it's just like, if you're Kawhi, you're like, now... You do this now, and if Curry hits that shot, who knows what we're doing right now. This game probably goes into overtime. Mm -hmm. Golden State probably wins, and then we're headed back to Toronto for game seven. Right. And I just don't know if Toronto mentally be able to bounce back and say, you know what, this is a whole new game. I really feel like you have guys – like Danny Green, Kyle Lowry, Paul Gasol, I'm sorry, Marc Gasol, mm-hmm. and others, saying we were this close. And one boneheaded decision has <laughs> us here. And I don't think they would have wanted to be in the game seven. That was Golden State. Mm-hmm. And when so you... luckily they pulled it out, and the basketball god shined on them because Curry hits that shot, man. I couldn't look at the TV. I couldn't look. Oh, God. I bet everyone in Toronto couldn't have looked as that shot was going up, too, man. That was such a clean look. Oh, man, wasn't it? He had to be looking at it like, oh, man, this is good. And then he misses, and you saw him look, and he said, what? Mm Mm-hmm. He going to cry in the car. Oh, without a doubt. Maybe for a couple days. <laughs> I mean, it's a good thing he has Aisha's cooking at home. Man. Or, or, else, he'd, or else he'd be hitting that ice cream in the freezer for quite some time. Listen, uh, Aisha, you better give your man some attention. You better <laughs> stop talking about you want some attention. He's going to need it. But let's see. I have this question for you. Toronto's not the next dynasty, are they? I mean, so this is probably the, one of the weirdest NBA final championship winning teams we've seen in quite some time because this could be a whole different looking team come next year. There's rumors that right. Kawhi might stay, but there's still a very good chance that Kawhi ends up leaving this offseason and signs elsewhere, right? There's right. a good chance that Kyle Lowry, I believe he has a player option, correct? I think he does. So he could opt out, and he could not be a part of this team. 
So this could be a very different Toronto Raptors team. And so to call them a dynasty, it's kind of hard to do. It's very premature. Obviously, if everyone sticks around and signs extensions and they're all brought back for the next year or a couple of years or two, they can very much be a next dynasty because the experience on this team that you get from guys like Marcus Gasol and Kyle Lowry, and then, of course, you have your you know superstar in Kawhi Leonard, but you have your contributing role players like Van Fleet and Ibaka and Powell. Uh, this this very well be, could be a dynasty, especially in an Eastern Conference that's not very strong right now. This could very well right. be a dynasty for years to come and make the finals in the next you know two or three years. But it's 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 tough to say right now because Kawhi and so much is hanging on this off season and where players end up. Right. Because my thing is, so with every great dynasty, the team that defeated that dynasty either was still competitive or had gone back to back, with the exception of a few teams. Mm-hmm. You know, the Bulls ended the Lakers dynasty. You could argue that somewhat, because you could also say the Pistons did that. The 04 Pistons ended the Lakers dynasty with Shaq and Kobe, but the writing was kind of on the wall with them. You had the same thing kind of with San Antonio ending Miami's dynasty. So it's going to be kind of weird. And like you said, which I forgot to factor in, this league may look very, very different Mm -hmm. in the next couple of weeks. I mean, let's see, you still got Anthony Davis talks. Kyrie Irving. saying he's not opposed to taking less than the Supermax. Mm-hmm. Kawhi, you don't know yet. Jimmy Butler, you don't know. And the East is just still so wide open that if Kawhi wanted to stay in Toronto, I mean, what other team is, is really challenging you? Milwaukee? Mm-hmm. And we've kind of seen their Achilles heel. They don't have guards that can really be trusted in the last five minutes. Right. So now you have to ask yourself, if you're Kawhi, do I want to go to the Clippers and try this with the Clippers? I think Toronto, personally, is the better team than the L.A. Clippers, and that's not me knocking the Clippers. I just feel that's a much deeper team you have in Toronto. Right. But this league is going to look so, so different mm-hmm. in a couple weeks. And the chemistry he built with these players in Toronto can't go unmentioned as well because you talk about it, if he if he has basketball on his mindset – as far as a decision that he makes this offseason, you're right, the Toronto Raptors are the best option. But if he's going for that lifestyle choice, you know, living by the beach, living closer to the home, he grew up in Riverside, and Los Angeles ain't too far from Riverside. So if he's thinking about his family, if he's thinking about a better place to live, more comfortable place to live, and different business opportunities, Los Angeles is definitely, you know, the better choice over Toronto. But if he's looking to win championships and be good for a long time and and be on a team that he's, you know, looks like he's having fun with. We saw him smile for the first few times this uh, this postseason. I, th- I think he's got to stay in Toronto. Man, 
here's where I go with it, because Cowherd kind of said it, and he's trying to put it with a Durant, listen to this pitch. Mm-hmm. You get injured, and your answer to that is, I want to go to New York. Don't you want to make it easier on yourself to win a championship? Which you essentially did a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. But to come off of injury, to go to a team that has a bad owner, it's been a bad franchise for the last two, three decades, that's what you want to go to? If I'm Kawhi, yes, the Clippers have a good team, and they're probably a star away, and you could be that guy. But check this out. Van Fleet's only going to get better. Mm-hmm. Siakam's only going to get better, and who knows who, what the ceiling is for him. You may have to look somewhere else for a center. I think Gasol still has a couple years in him. But he's not a scrub. Ibaka still has a couple good years. And a lot of these guys are still progressing. I don't know if you can say the same thing yet for the Clippers. Yeah, they had a good playoff run. But am I really trusting Gallinari and Lou Williams, mm-hmm. Montrez Harrell? That's a different team with Kawhi on it, both good and bad, because now it's kind of they relied on each other. I know Kawhi's a dude. He's not looking to be the star, but you're going to be looking to Kawhi mm-hmm. because Toronto did the same thing these entire playoffs. So if I was Kawhi, I'd stay in Toronto. But like you said, and I, I keep looking at it, there's so many variables in the next couple of weeks. I mean, what do the Lakers do? It seems like Kyrie is going to Brooklyn. Does anybody follow him? Kimba, does he take less than the Supermax to, I don't know, go to L.A. because him and LeBron have the same agent? Mm-hmm. This is going to be a crazy offseason. I think this offseason is going to be one of the most entertaining we've had in a while. Mm-hmm. But I know tonight's Toronto's night. They beat Golden State. I mean, man, this is... I don't even know if a lot of people had Toronto winning the finals like at the beginning of the year. Yeah, it'd be interesting to go see what their finals odds were. And, you know, if you put money on them, how much would you get in return? I'm pretty sure it'd be a pretty hefty margin because in the beginning of the year from the Eastern Conference alone, you had a lot of people liking Kyrie Irving and the Celtics chance. You had a lot of people liking the Sixers chance after they got Jimmy Butler and then even more when they got Tobias Harris. And, and then, you know, even the Milwaukee Bucks, maybe they weren't super favored in, in during the beginning of the season. But as the season progressed, I mean, they really flexed their dominance, especially in the regular season. And Giannis, right. Giannis, you know, emerged as one of the best players in the NBA. So I don't think the Toronto Raptors were ever at least the most favored even in the Eastern Conference this year. Just because you had the Celtics and the Sixers and the Bucks that were getting all this other attention. But uh, I remember having a friend tell me, don't sleep on Kawhi being on the Raptors after that trade. Thinking, you know, like, ah, oh, like, you know, Kyle Lowry still chokes, and I don't know how much Kawhi's going to help there in Toronto. And, you know, sure enough, I, I got to text that friend tomorrow and be like, yo, you were right. 
Toronto came through and Kawhi came through, especially in in the NBA Finals for them. That's got to be the craziest thing because I think that everybody was raising an eyebrow that Kawhi did what he did in San Antonio to pop R.C. Buford and those guys. That's a first-class organization. Mm -hmm. But he says, no, I need to get a second opinion. And now look at him. He looked like he was right all along. And that's going to be the craziest thing because I think Pop had traded him with the intentions of, you know what, enjoyed in cold Toronto, mm -hmm. you're not going to win anyway. Like, they've been trying this for five years. They've had the same roster, essentially, for the last half decade. And they haven't won. What makes you think, mm -hmm. if you're complaining about this knee, that you're going to go deep? Uh, is Pop eating crow right now? <laughs> He's got to be mean, a little... That's... Help me, Noah. Just help me. I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying to defend Pop. <laughs> He's I can't got... do it. He's got to be a little salty right now, man. <laughs> oh, God, he has to be. He just has to be. He really thought this was going to work. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not going to trade you to the West. I'm not going to trade you to L.A. Enjoy it in cold Toronto. Mm -hmm. How did Toronto feel in January? Pretty cold, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and now he's hoisting up the trophy. I'm sure Pop is happy for him. But I know Pop's got to be kicking himself in the foot. Probably saying, man, I should have traded him to Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and if you're Kawhi, too, I'm sure at, when he first heard of the trade and he found out he was going to Toronto, he had to be pretty upset with himself. But, I mean, I'm at, I can imagine the, the amount of change in his feeling from being in Toronto after winning his championship. And probably, I mean, I would say this championship ranks over the two that he won in San Antonio against the Miami Heat just because of the amount of the amount of battle they had and the amount of moments this postseason had. I mean, you, you talk back from winning four straight against the Milwaukee Bucks in the Eastern Conference Finals. You had the, the shot in Game 7 against the Philadelphia 76ers. I mean, this whole playoff run was filled after big moment after big moment after another. And, you know, Kawhi probably thought initially from that trade man, this is going to suck, this is going to be a shitty year. But, man, it's come full circle, and at the end of the season, he's got, like, wow, who who would have guessed Toronto would probably be, you know, my favorite season of his career. And who would have thought that he would have he would have done this? I'm not taking away that he's probably one of the best players we've had in the last five years. Mm-hmm. But I don't think anybody saw him having this kind of playoff run. Now, we could make the same argument about a whole bunch of NBA players that did it in these playoffs. Damian Lillard, Giannis Antetokounmpo, um, even Jimmy Butler to a degree who had a great playoff run. Mm -hmm. You just didn't see Kawhi leading this group of guys because of what you said earlier. 
they've always failed when they needed it most. They couldn't beat one man in LeBron James. They lost to an old Paul Pierce in Brooklyn when they first started this whole playoff run. Right. And now you get a Kawhi Leonard. So Kawhi Leonard was the answer. Because DeMar DeRozan, we don't sleep on DeMar DeRozan. But you just kept wondering what was wrong. And it just seems like DeRozan couldn't be that guy that you went to in clutch moments. Mm-hmm. Kawhi was now that guy. But I think that he also gave confidence to a guy like Kyle Lowry, probably saying, hey, I know you're hearing the talks. I know that people are probably saying that you're going to choke. I don't believe that. You're our point guard. You lead us. And Lowry did it, but he also got help from Van Vliet. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the craziest things that you would have saw, because Dan Fleet, before he had his child, they were saying, he was pretty cold in the playoffs. Oh, without a doubt. There, I saw a joke on, I saw a joke on Twitter that, that said if Fred Van Fleet would have pulled out, the the, the Toronto Raptors would not have this NBA Finals. <laughs> Whoa, Freddie! He didn't pull. <laughs> Weak. <laughs> but let's just let's let's just bring up their statistics since we're mentioning them right now. Fred Van Fleet finished the game with twenty-two points. He had two two really big three pointers in that final fourth quarter, and then Kyle Lowry, an impressive twenty-six, tied for the team lead. Uh, 26 points. He had 10 assists, seven rebounds, and the mu- the highest plus minus, a plus of 16. Can we officially take the Kyle Lowry chokes in the playoffs tag away from him? Man, I tried to ask you this in the last pod we did. Right. That's why I'm bringing it back up. Man, man, I, I think we can. If if everybody was able to take the snake title away from KD, then let's double down. The curse of Kyle Lowry is over. I mean, Kyle played his heart out in these finals. And that first half that he had was one of the best first halves he's had probably in his entire career. Mm-hmm. And that was just him playing just out of body, it seemed like that was the first time he was really just trying to play free. But then also, you had Serge Ibaka, he's coming off the bench and giving you that kind of production. I mean, I don't sleep on him. He played big minutes when he was in OKC. But to do this in Toronto, when initially he had came in to be a starter, he was supposed to be that shot-blocking guy. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, after Biombo left, it was supposed to be him. Like, okay, we lost Biombo, but we got Serge. And he gives you this kind of contribution. Siakam, you may not thought, was ready, but this dude is only going to get better. He's long. He's lanky. He can score. 
He gets rebounds. This dude's only going to get better. And don't forget their other youngster, OG Anunobi. He couldn't play in game six. He didn't even play. But this team, there's no reason why, even if, and just to correct myself from earlier, it's 2020 that Kyle Lowry becomes a free agent, but Marcus Gasol and Serge Ibaka have expiring contracts at the end of this season. Um, but even if those two players were to leave, you still have the likes of OG Anunobi and Paul Siakam. Like you said, they are players that are going to get better, and there's no reason why they can't return to the finals next year. There has to be no reason with the East being so wide open. Because I think if Kyrie goes to Brooklyn, I don't know if Brooklyn becomes that much better of a team. I just don't know if they need another guard. I know that in this league you need two scorers in the backcourt. Right. But I feel like they need a front court scorer. You have D'Angelo Russell. So I don't know what he does. I don't know what he does. Why are you going to Brooklyn? That would be my question. But then also, I mean, you're going to have Milwaukee. Seems like Boston's going to take a step back. So really, it's a probably a two-team, a two-team Eastern Conference. Uh, Philadelphia could change in the next couple of months too. If you have Tobias Harris essentially agreeing in principle that he's going to Brooklyn. Yeah. And then you're going to offer Jimmy Butler the max if you're Philadelphia. But that kind of puts you right back at square one. You're going to have a long point guard who can't shoot, going to have a big man that needs to lose weight because it seems like it's starting to affect him. Mm-hmm. And then you got a guy, you know, that's going to say, you and need me. If you guys lose five games in a row. So right now, if I'm Kawhi Leonard, what's the easiest role possible? And I just think the easiest role possible for him is going to be out in the East. It doesn't doesn't get any easier than that, at least for me. Mm -hmm. Now, going back to your Celtics point, I mean, this could be a discussion for a whole other show during the offseason. We'll have plenty of time for that. But I think they'll actually be a better team without Kyrie just because I think – that chemistry will go a little bit up. You'll see Jason Tatum and and Terry Rozier and other guys, if they bring him back, of course. But I think you'll see Tatum and Brown develop more because I think Kyrie stunts their development. But going to the the losing team on this end from the NBA Finals, the Golden State Warriors, what do you think is in plan for them this offseason? A lot's riding on them. They could be a very different team, just like any other of these teams that we've mentioned in the Eastern Conference. What do you think happens? What's next for these Golden State Warriors, a team that was so close, about a three-pointer made away from forcing a Game 7 on Thursday night? Um, Let's see. Back in 2016, we had made that argument in the last podcast. If KD had never came, what does that team look like? I think it's different now because Golden State was probably prepared for KD to go. Mm-hmm. But I think KD's staying. I think he at least stays for the year at $31 million. And that's going to kind of be like, hey, KD, we love you. We want you to play in the new arena, you know, when you come back. 
I think Clay takes less. I think I would call this bluff. If we still have you, Steph, Draymond, and let's say a KD that at best coming back from this Achilles injury is a prime Carmelo Anthony, that's still better than half the league. Now we got to put some pieces around that. But we're still going to be better than half the league if KD, if you're saying his feeling after this Achilles injury is him being a prime Carmelo Anthony. Mm-hmm. Now, so, if he decides to go, you re-sign Clay, you give him the max. But I think that Golden State stays as a competitive team, but they're no longer the neighborhood bully. I think the West has gotten substantially better. If we're assuming this Anthony Davis trade happened, then that's another team you have to worry about, although they have a dysfunctional front office, and this is coming from a Laker fan. (laughs) Please, Noah, console me after we finish this. (laughs) (laughs) But Golden State, they're still going to be a competitive team, I think with or without Durant. Mm Mm-hmm. But I think that they're going to keep Durant. I think Durant stays at least for that for that second year. I think Cousins is gone. I think someone's going to overpay DeMarcus Cousins. Just because you saw, man, he was out of shape. And yeah. he was still able to contribute. Yeah, you saw flashes from him this series. But is he going to be worth... Four years, seventy million. Mm-hmm. I don't think so, but I feel like some team's gonna give it to him. Like I feel maybe, let's say, let's say the Boston Celtics. I can see that as a possibility. Let's just, let's just say they give him a four-year seventy, which they shouldn't do. But let's just say they do that. Really. I mean, he did well in these finals. Given the circumstances, he comes back from a quad injury, mm-hmm. out of shape, and arguably you can say legitimately was one of the big reasons you won two games in the NBA Finals. But even if he decides to stay, I just feel like this team is just going to be so different. I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be the team to say – man, let's go back and let's try to win one. I don't know yet. I don't still know if that's the team that says we want to come back with this team again and win one. Mm-hmm. When they lost in 2016, they wanted to come back and win one, but they knew they needed a little bit of an extra push to beat LeBron in Cleveland. Right. Bring in Kevin Durant. But I just don't know what the motivation would be for you now. I think that's the biggest question. Do you see any sense of motivation for him? No, I don't. That's that's probably my biggest concern for the Golden State Warriors this offseason is that even if, like you said, I think Kevin Durant does come back. But you're probably only going to get maybe 10 to 15 regular season games of him because of that Achilles injury. And then, you know, even if you do get him, it's going to be kind of a, a, sh- a shell of his former self. And he may play in the playoffs if the Warriors do get into playoff season, which I am assuming. 
But unlike the Warriors, they don't have a lot of young players that are kind of up and coming that can get a whole lot better. And we asked this in the last podcast, and I think we saw it tonight. Where would the Warriors be without Kevin Durant? I think the load is a lot there's a lot bigger load on players like Clay Thompson, like Stephen Curry. How much how much punishment can their body take over the course of a regular season without guys to really step up and help their cause? I think Livingston and Eagle Dollar, they're they're good quality role players, but they can't really contribute much scoring. So whether Kevin Durant comes back or not, they're gonna need to find a way to have some sort of cap space to make room for another score just to take the load off Curry and Clay Thompson from a day-to-day or night-to-night basis during the regular season. And I think another question is, how much more punishment do they want to take? They've been doing this for the last five years now. Right. I mean, so you have 82 games of regular season, about another 22 in the playoffs, you're playing over a hundred games a year for the last five years. I think Golden State may just try to coast through the regular season, maybe finish a top four seed, and then try to say let's make a run. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that they do it hard body karate, wild for the night, and say. Let's really try to get another championship in our new arena. I don't see it right now. Yeah, they may take a page from the Toronto Raptors book and where they rest their star players like they did with Kawhi and give rest to guys like Curry and Thompson on random nights of the regular season just so that they have a little bit more in the tank come postseason. Here's a question I have for you. Do you think more star players now, seeing the Clay injury and the Kevin Durant injury, and then seeing how Toronto did Kawhi Leonard, do you think more star players say, hey, you need to sit me out at least 42 games out every year, or at least 24 because I just don't want to go through that punishment year after year after year and then either blow out my Achilles or have just this horrible hamstring injury. Mm-hmm. Do you think that this is going to change the way NBA players say, I'm going to play this game, and eh, I'm not going to play that game, eh, I might play this game, I'll let you know at 6 o'clock. Yeah. No, without a doubt, I Do think... Do you think it changes? Yes, 100% next season we're going to see, I think, five times more. And the following season it's going to be ten times more. Just because I think there's going to be a lot of statistics that prove, oh, with the more rest, less injuries and stuff like that. But in reality, sometimes no matter how much you rest during your year, you're going to have that one freak injury where someone rolls into your knee and you're, you, know, you tear your ACL. Or you're going to have that one weird injury where someone, you know, bump shoulders with you wrong way and, and you you te- you hurt your shoulder or you hurt your elbow in a random right. way or you hurt your hamstring just running up and down the court. No matter how many games you rest, injuries are part of the game. You know, our bodies are all, can only take so much. And sometimes there's just freak accidents. There's freak injuries. Right. E- even like Clay's injury tonight where he left in, in game six, 
he was kind of contacted on the dunk and just the way he landed. I mean, let's say he had rested during the regular season and even rested during the playoffs in some of the, the blowout wins over some of the lesser teams in their playoff run. Would we still be talking about, oh, rest is so great? There's there's no guarantee that Clay Thompson survives like that injury, even if he rested. Right. Like like you said, I mean, injuries are a part of the game. They happen at any moment. I mean, nobody saw the DeMarcus Cousins injury happening. Mm-mm. I mean, so, like, I get that completely, 100%. But I think you're going to have more players in fear now saying, I want, I want that the least percentage of that happening to me. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have to sit me. 100%. Now, RJ, I know it's late over there on the East Coast. It's past midnight at the time of this recording. One one last question before you do take off. Out of all these teams in this 2010s decade, where does this Toronto Raptors team rank? In the 2010 decade? In the 2010 decade. So let's see. We've had... The L.A. Lakers. Who's been our champions up to this point? So we had the Lakers in 2010. The Mavs Dallas in 2011. Right. Back-to-back Heat. Back-to-back Miami. San Antonio. Golden State. Golden State, Cleveland. Golden State. Golden State. Toronto. Sheesh. <laughs> it's a great decade. That's a, that's a pretty good decade. Yeah, great des- great great decade to be a basketball fan. And I don't know if you could say, wow, that team actually won the championship that year. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, if you look at the, in the 2000s, you may say, wow, the Pistons won the championship in 04? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, some people may say that, like, wow, that was a, like, you'll say Lakers, 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 Pistons? Spurs, Miami, Spurs, Boston, Lakers, Lakers. Mm-hmm. This era, goodness, let's see. I mean, I would feel you'd have to put Golden State as the number one dynasty. Mm-hmm. Miami, number two. What, San Antonio only won once this decade? Uh, they've won twice. They have to put, I think they won once. Oh, you're right. In this decade, yeah, they only won in 2014. Okay, so you, so I may put them, then maybe the Lakers, then Toronto, and then Dallas. Dallas was just a feel-good story. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But... Goodness, Toronto, man. If they can get off two or three more, which I don't know, just because you messed my head up with this free agency. But if they can do it in the East, because it seems like everybody's going to go out West. Right. So if they can do this in the East and get at least one more, I think you just have to put them in, wow, they were one of the better teams this decade. Yeah, without a doubt. But I just feel like we probably would have made the same argument if Milwaukee would have made it to the finals and won. I don't know. 
That's a good question, though. I'm going to have to do a deep dive on that, man. Jeez. Hey, it may be late, give, but give I... Give me your take. It, it, it may be late, but I always got the good questions ready. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I got to rank them ahead of... In the list of the greatest teams to win this decade, I gotta I gotta put them ahead of the Lakers and I gotta put them ahead of the Spurs, just because I like the grit from this team. On any given night, you had guys like Kyle Lowry coming up huge. You guys had guys like Fred Van Fleet, Serge Ibaka, Marcus Sewell. These role players come up huge on a nightly basis. And after Kawhi kind of suffered that minor knee injury in the Eastern Conference Finals against the Bucks, you saw a different player night after night kind of step up and provide that spark that that team needed. And you had, like I said, just so many different players. And then the coaching from Nick Nurse, I thought he had some pretty good coaching, only trusting his main eight guys, um, really not going out of that rotation, just sticking to his eight guys and trusting them. So I, I got to put him ahead of the Lakers and the Spurs in this decade. But a bad knee over a broken finger? I mean, Kobe played with a broken finger, man. Yeah, hey, I still got to give it to Kawhi, Kawhi man. <laughs> Play with a broken finger. I don't know. Hey, I, this is from a Celtics pers- perspective, but if Kendrick Perkins doesn't get hurt, I don't know if the Lakers win that series. You know what? See, see, <laughs> see, man. Listen, I, and I and I like you, man. Until you start talking about these Celtics, <laughs> <laughs> disgusting, man. Oh man. Kobe had the broken finger, and that's what I just forgot. So I may put him ahead of. Let me put him ahead of San Antonio. Okay. <laughs> Hold on. Wait a minute, though. Yeah, I'll put him ahead of San Antonio. The only thing I was going to say was, after San Antonio lost, what was that, 2013? Yeah, 2013, the year before. Tim Duncan's team pissed at, in that press conference. Yeah. And I remember after they beat OKC, I think that was in the Western Conference Finals, he was... I don't even know the word because I forget who was asking them. They were like, man, you know, you're back in the finals now. You're back in the finals. And that was the first time I've ever seen Duncan say, didn't I tell you we were going to be back here? Because <laughs> he had said it the year prior. He was like, oh, no, we're coming back and we're winning this. Right. And then they won the Western Conference Finals, I think, in OKC. And he's really not celebrating. He's like the the job's not over yet. Mm-hmm. But that Miami dynasty, I've been watching Tate on Wade and LeBron. As much as we hated them, that was a pretty fun team. Yeah, man. They, they put on a show on a night-to-night basis. Oh, God, man. Well, shout-out to the Toronto Raptors. Thanks again, RJ, for hopping on the podcast. Sorry to keep you up so Anytime, late. Anytime, man. No, man. You know I love talking over with you. We'll definitely have to do another show again come off season. Maybe we'll do a trade reaction show or maybe a trade prediction show, depending on how things shake out. Because it's going to be an interesting off season, to say the least. Oh, this is going to be definitely entertaining. I'm going to be like Terrell Owens. You know I got my popcorn ready. <laughs> All right. I love it. I love it, RJ. Hey, thanks again, guys, for tuning in to the most recent episode of My Mike and I. I am your host, Noah Alvarez. Just a friendly reminder, this podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud. Please like, share us, follow us, subscribe. Leave us a review and a rating. That would greatly help in promoting this podcast. 
Also, if you guys do want to follow me on Twitter, at underscore Noah Alvarez. And on Instagram, it's at N-O-H-A, Noha Alvarez. Um, I definitely put up some polls there that sometimes gets featured on the show. Sometimes it's sports related. Sometimes it's just about pop culture related. And that's also a good way to reach out to me, too, if you want to be on the show and have something special to talk about. So, so yeah, just feel free to reach out if you guys want to be on the show or be a part of it. Anyways, hope you guys have a wonderful week. It's Father's Day weekend at the time of this recording. Hope you guys do something special with your father if he is present and in your life. Other than that, guys, thank you for tuning in to another episode of My Mike and I. I'm Noah Alvarez, signing off.